What's up, my podcast listeners? This is another top five most listened episode list of 2020, but these are all my solo episodes. And honestly, I was quite surprised and um, quite honored to have a lot of these episodes within the same ranks of all the people I interviewed that were pretty big names in the industry. So um, thank you for all the support throughout 2020 because it was a rough one. So I really hope that these episodes that I'm bringing back from this past year kind of spark some motivation for 2021, kind of sets your mind right, gets your mindset a little bit better for 2021 to finally see success or continued success because let's face it, everyone had a really challenging year, both physically and mentally. So I am super excited to bring these top five most listened episodes of 2020. And again, remember between each episode, there's going to be a little break. So you know that you're going into the next one. Um, So without further ado, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you again for all the support. You guys are amazing. So here we go. Top five. What's up, podcast listeners? It's your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and I apologize because I don't have my usual setup with me. I don't have my earbuds, so the sound quality isn't going to be the best. So I am sorry for that. Um, We're going to get into it today, but first, I just want to mention how grateful and humbled I am to have so many people purchase my ebook, The Ironclad Body Training System, um, this past weekend, well, yesterday, uh, because I had a 24-hour flash sale um, to celebrate the one-year anniversary since I released my book. And I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the people who out of their way to buy my book for just 25 bucks when it's usually 57 so shout out to everyone who's about to become you know strong and resilient and create their own ironclad body um and i guess now i can announce um i'm going to be selling not selling writing my second volume to um the ironclad body training system so i released that last year and then it took me an entire year to write it and put it together and a lot has changed in my mind and don't get me wrong like the book is still really good like it's better than most training programs out there but I want to just like fine-tune this thing and make it even better and I have a lot of new stuff that's going to be coming out with this second volume so there you go a little teaser um so we're gonna get into the show and i want to talk about this concept of the real reason why you're not seeing fat loss results the big thing that everyone doesn't even factor in and i see this over and over and over again and let me start by saying If you're a person listening to the show struggling with their fitness goals, their fat loss goals, whatever it is, it's usually because 
psychologically there's something going on and we need to cover all facets of health and number one is our mental health because if the stuff that's happening up in here doesn't work properly so how is that stuff up here supposed to tell the rest of your body what to do and recover from it and adapt to it you know what i mean so a typical example is you know the average person in their lifetime i think the stat will be they've done at least nine kind of like crash diets to lose weight and they all lose weight during the diet but then they all gain it back plus some afterwards now this kind of cycle just goes to show that people are so desperate to finally see the weight come off and they feel that they have to do drastic things to prove their self self-worth now when you're growing up especially women and don't get me wrong guys can go through this too and i'll give an example but you know as young girls growing up your parents probably told you you know you need to eat as much as possible to get big and strong they would always kind of use those words make sure you eat make sure you eat enough so you can get big and strong so when you're older blah 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 and then at some point in their lives they start hearing words like make sure you don't eat too much because you don't want to get too big you don't want to take up space you want to be thin you got to watch your figure all right podcast listeners welcome back to another episode of cut the shit get fit i am your host rafael majeshevsky and this is a special edition because i have a presentation so for all you listening you should head to my youtube page and check out the video version of this but if you're already driving doing the dishes chores or whatever how the hell you listen to my podcast just continue on. You're just going to miss out on all the funny gifts and memes that I have in this presentation. So I brought this presentation out uh, for my gym to kind of get the 101 on nutrition. And it's always the same questions I get over and over and over and over again from clients, new clients, people I meet. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to put it all together into a presentation. So without further ado, we are going to hit this up. So I'm going to try to keep this under 15 minutes. But before I forget, I got to do some shout outs. Again, I am terrible at this, remembering cities, but I remember all the states that's listening to my show. So the number one state that is listening to my show right now is Connecticut. Shout out to everybody in Connecticut listening to my show. Number two is the state of Georgia. Shout out to everyone in Georgia listening to my show. That's super cool. And number three, the state of Virginia. Shout out to everyone in Virginia. I am so humbled to have people from all over the world and also to states that I've never been in and only heard of from TV series and stuff like that. So it's super cool. If I'm ever out your way, listeners from those three states you better give me some recommendations of where to go what to see and what to do all right so without messing this up because i haven't done this in a while um hang on 
All right, I just wanted to make sure my microphone was working on this presentation keynote thing. I thought I had myself muted, but I'll say I did not. But habit-based nutrition, this is what we're going to start with. Yes, it works. Okay. So what is habit-based nutrition? So when I kind of explain what habit-based nutrition is, it should be an automatic response in your life. Just like you brushing your teeth every single day, it should just happen. Like you don't wake up and think about, oh, I need to brush my teeth. It just just happens because as a kid, you, you know, woke up and your parents always told you you got to go brush your teeth before you start your day and over and over and over again it just was ingrained to you so i always make this joke like imagine how great your life would be if you didn't have to worry about your macros your calories how much fat you're taking in and you could you know have time to focus on other stuff in your life that's actually important because the big thing that um, I see with clients is that the last thing they want to do is worry about something else. They want to focus on you know, their jobs, their careers, their family, their spouses, their hobbies, their projects at home. The last thing they want to do is remember to track their fucking food in my fitness pal or whatever calorie counting thing you have and weigh their food and blah 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 blah. But but if it comes to serious clients that are looking for serious change, those are the kind of measures you need to take. And honestly this is kind of this is the best way to explain it. Habit-based nutrition probably works 99% of the time for every person I've ever seen. I have yet to be approached by a client where I give them strict restrictions of macronutrient breakdown and calories to follow and actually see success. I've never seen it happen at all for general population. For the handful of bikini competitors I've trained in the past, those people have a little bit more skin in the game because they're going on stage to look a certain way. That was the only time when those things worked. For the general population, time and time and time again, they fail miserably at doing such tedious tasks like macro counting and calorie counting. You know, there's nothing wrong by doing it but you have to ask yourself, can you do it for a long period of time without wanting to shoot your face off, right? So really think to yourself, if you're someone that wants to get their diet in check and they, you think that that's the you know, answer, really do a self-evaluation. And that's kind of how I start with habit-based nutrition too because a lot of people think automatically think that they are doing pretty well in the nutrition department but i made a whole solo episode about this about how people always say you know i eat pretty good meaning i don't know what i'm doing meaning i have <clears throat> sorry meaning i have you know no clue or self-awareness of what i'm actually consuming so 
with any approach to nutrition, always self-evaluate. Number one should be like, I am not happy with how my body looks aesthetically, so I need to change my diet. That's number one. When people decide to change their eating, they already think they eat pretty good. Like this this blows it, it's like people who have credit card debt and they're like, you know what? I have a pretty good grasp on money. No, you don't. <laughs> like just just assume you know nothing. <laughs> it makes it so much easier. So after the self, you know, evaluation, you need to focus on the fundamentals. And I think I'm going to go kind of both back and forth between this whole idea of macros and habit-based nutrition. So starting with the basics that every person needs. You know, most people think they're it's stupid, they're way too advanced to do the basics, but if you look at anything in this world that people excel at at a very high rate, every single one of them have mastered the basics. You don't see a professional basketball player, when they started their career, they weren't doing crazy trick shots right off the bat. They literally stayed on the court and practiced their shots over and over and over and over again. So then when they get into the NBA, all those things become automatic. And then when it comes to winning games... That's where they push themselves out of those basics because they have that foundation and they can do brilliant things with their body and that ball into the net. Like, if you look at any profession out there, look at the UFC. You basically have to be a master in almost every fighting style. Do you really think all these UFC guys, when they first started their career, you know, signed up to start jiu-jitsu and their master or their trainer decided to put them in the hardest group with all the black belts? No. They started with the basics. No matter where you're at, you're always a student. Remember that. Whew, I can go on rants forever. So the first thing you need to do right now for almost every single person out here is eat more protein. I cannot like stress this enough when I, I actually just had a conversation with uh, a person that's frustrated that their weight loss is kind of stalled. And I was like, okay, well, tell me about like your typical like eating. And she started telling me everything that she ate. And I was like, wow, you don't eat any protein at all. And again, people can be vegetarian and vegan, whatever it is, but it makes it that much harder to consume enough protein. And, you know, when I did this presentation, I wanted to put together um, a bunch of different um, studies together. And this one that I have up right now shows the effects of, you know, higher protein diets on thermogenesis, meaning your body burning more calories. So, when you increase your protein intake, you end up burning more than you eat compared to carbs and fat. So a good example of this is like 
if you, you know, had your dinner and you still kind of feel, you know, kind of peckish, you could probably eat a little bit more and you end up eating a whole bag of chips and you feel like you can still eat a little bit more, like look at, say, Miss Vic's Salt and Vinegar. That's my favorite chip brand. Um, if you look, I think, at the nutrition facts, I think per 14 chips, it's like 260 calories and like something like 39 grams of carbs. That's a shit ton for only 14 chips, and they're not that big, right? And then you eat the entire bag, so you probably consume close to 1,000 calories and probably close to, I don't know, say 100 grams of carbs. And for some reason, you're still hungry. Like, that's messed up. Like, no wonder people have tough times, you know, losing weight when they're eating primarily carbs and fats. So with protein your body's going to end up burning more calories, which you want to be in a calorie deficit in order to see progress. But then on top of that, you might be thinking, hang on, if I'm burning more calories, I'm going to be more hungry. But protein has been researched and reviewed over and over and over again when it comes to hunger hormones. So you have a hunger hormone called ghrelin that triggers that hunger response. When you eat high amounts of protein, it settles that thing down. So now you're kind of tricking your body in like burning more calories and telling it that it's full. So if you think about it that way, um, it's a win-win. You're eating less, eating more protein, your body can repair, and you're already on the entire like route of success. And then I've brought up another um, study where they showed the um, effects of high-protein diets on more hormonal responses of keeping them kind of in line, keeping them happy. And, like, that's the thing. Like, when our hormones are out of whack, our bodies fucking hate us. Like, absolutely hate us. (laughs) The idea behind healthy eating and habit-based nutrition is to keep all of our hunger hormones and just hormones in general running smoothly, right? So if you ever stay up late, the next day you'll notice that you're a lot hungrier than usual. You just want to eat all the time. You combine that a late night with drinking like crazy, that also fucks up your whole hormonal response, and you want to eat more in the morning. That's why people want to eat hangover foods. Like, think about it. It's not rocket science. After protein... I am a huge advocate of eating vegetables and like a lot of them. Like just eat a shit ton of vegetables as much as possible. I can't stress this enough. Your grandmother, your mother, everyone has been saying to eat a lot of vegetables. (sighs) Here's the other thing with vegetables. They are low in calories. If you look at, like, a bag of baby carrots, I think it's something stupid, like, you know, 21 of those things are, like, 60 calories. And that's a lot of food if you, like, lay down 21 of those. So imagine you eating your protein that's allowing you to burn more calories based on thermogenesis, and it's making you feel full, and then you're eating your vegetables, like a shit ton of them, that are, you know dense in nature but low in calories you're going to end up being full 
faster and you're going to prevent yourself from overeating while keeping your calories low. Like think about how much volume of those carrots are going to fill up your stomach, triggering that hormonal response that your body goes, oh, you have enough food in your stomach, you can stop eating. So now we're eating low-calorie foods that are allowing you to burn more fat, make you feel full, and good to go for your next meal. Like, stacking these two by themselves are huge. Huge. And it's not like rocket science. It's like, eat protein and vegetables. Boom. Done. (laughs) The next one. Sleep. I can't stress this enough. Sleep is so important to your body. The idea that whoever started that, you know, it's cool to brag about how many, you know, few hours of sleep you got is just idiotic. And funny enough, I had this conversation a couple days ago with another person that's frustrated again with their weight loss. And, you know, spoke about the diet, whatever, and I'm like, okay, well, how's your stress level? Super high. How's your sleep? Terrible. Four hours a night on average, and it's broken up. I'm like, holy fuck. Sleep has so much to do with recovery. And I brought up another um, study where they shows that when you have insufficient sleep, your diet that you're on that's trying to lose fat, adipose tissue, decreases dramatically, right? So you could be doing everything right from the diet standpoint, but if your sleep is the shit, it ain't going to matter at all, you know? Sleep is more valuable than you think, right? And then in the same study, they... uh, brought two groups together where one group had 8.5 hours of sleep versus 5.5 hours of sleep. The group that slept more ended up losing 60% more fat than the other group, right? And you can't deny science in these situations. Like, It all comes together in full circle. You eat right, you sleep right, you get the body that you want. It's not rocket science. After these three things are done so well that it's become automatic, like brushing your teeth that I mentioned earlier, that's where I tell people start worrying about your carbs, your fats, and supplements. Right? Like, people that don't master these three things are the same people that ask me, so how many grams of sugar should I be taking in? I'm like, you don't sleep more than four hours. Why are you worrying about how much sugar you're taking in? You know, like, and then people are like, are those the same people that are asking me like, oh, I can't eat past six o'clock. I'm like, why? Because I'll get fat. Like, based on what? Like, some posts you saw on Instagram, like, no, stop worrying about all the minutia and start worrying about the basics. Get really good at the basics, you know, and then start worrying about carbs, fats, and supplements. 
man, I'm going all over the place. So when I had to get into now specifics of those three things, and then you ask yourself, you know, how many protein, carbs, and fats, this is where I introduce them to the precision nutrition model of like hand portions. So if you think about it, if you look at your hand, it works really, really well because based on your body structure, everyone has different sized hands. So if you were a bigger person, you have a bigger hand, meaning you eat more. If you're a smaller person, you have smaller hands, so you eat less. It makes it really specific. So if you look at the photo I put up on this presentation, a palm-sized portion is your protein. A fist is a serving of vegetables. A little like cupping motion of your hand is for carbs. And one thumbful is for your fat. Now, how does this look on a plate? So I have the next little slide where all those portions are shown, and for men, you double it up, and for women, you have um, just what I just uh, spoke on. So if you look at a average palm, and this is for women, if you have protein, that's anywhere from 20 to 30 grams. For men, that's anywhere from 40 to 60 grams if you have two, right? And then same idea here when you get into the carbs. For women, again, it's 20 to 30 grams. For men, 40 to 60 grams. And then when you look at the thumb portion for fat, for women, it's about you know 7 to 12 grams of fat. And for men, it's 15 to 25 grams of fat. And the coolest thing here that they mention on this PN infographic is this is based on men and women eating three to four meals a day. And that would bring you anywhere from, so for women, 1,200 to 1,500 calories per day. And then for men, 2,300 to 3,000 calories per day. Now, when you look at those numbers and those meals, that is generically around the same calories you'd get from one of those, you know, automatic calorie counter things that you go online. So if you know that now you are getting enough protein, enough carbs, enough fats, now you have a balanced diet, you're regulating all your hormones, you don't have to worry about how many calories you're eating, you're around that number that most people are trying to achieve, things are starting to put it together. Like it's going to come together. And now with that information, how do you create this into a habit? So this is an example of how I train my online clients when it comes to um, nutrition. So if you look at this uh, little basic Google sheet that I've come up with, it's literally on one section and column is um, your habit. So in this case, I put down protein at each meal, veggies at each meal, and getting at least eight hours of sleep. And then on the across the board, you have Monday through Sunday, and all you have to write down is yes or no, or a simple check mark or an X. I tell people, print this out, put it on your fucking door, and when you come home, when you leave or whatever, you circle yes or no, or check it off or X, and then you can see your progression. Because a lot of times when people do um, habit-based nutrition, they feel like they're not progressing as fast as they like to, but if you have something where you're tracking and you can see it, the more yeses or the more check marks makes you feel like you're going the right direction, right? Or you see one week, you're like, holy shit, I only had protein at two, um, on two days out of the 
entire week. Like I gotta get my shit together for next week. And it gives you more accountability and more, more motivation and planning and everything. Like again, this comes all full circle, like it comes together. So that being said, when it comes to calories, macros, detox teas, cleanses, and all that bullshit, don't get sucked into that crap on Instagram and Facebook. Like, again, (laughs) when people tell me that they're getting advice from a 21-year-old Instagram influencer on detox teas to fix your liver, just run away. Run, run away. You're wasting your time. Don't let the marketing that you see take you off your path to success. Being successful at this is hard work. If it wasn't difficult, then everyone would not be overweight or unhappy with their bodies. So be sure to trust the process, master the basics, and guaranteed you'll see success. That's it for me, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the presentation. You guys are amazing. I love you guys. Hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram so you can see all the videos that I post together. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Give me five-star reviews. And that's it for me. Boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm super excited today because I've been working on some new Cut the Shit, Get Fit t-shirts because this August marks my fourth year anniversary of the podcast. Holy shit, four years have gone by so quickly. And every year, I always come out with new shirts. And to make this year even more special, I am coming out with different types of products. So keep an eye out for that. I'm not going to tell yet to the world what I got cooking, but it's not going to be just another T-shirt. There's going to be other things that you'll be able to get. And on top of that... We're going to have new, um, a new logo for Cut the Shit, Get Fit, which I'm super excited about. And I'm also going to have a new podcast logo that you'll see on your Spotify, your iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So exciting ch- things, changes, that whole thing. So keep an eye out for that. Um, today, what we're going to talk about is binge eating because it's a topic that is true to my heart and very close to my heart because I've been battling with binge eating forever Um, but I will say that at this point of my life it's been more so under control than before so let me give you some context My binge eating, and again, I've never been diagnosed with a disorder, but I'm pretty sure that if I went to a 
clinical um, dietitian, psychologist, or anyone that's able to diagnose me with an eating disorder, I would have it because I check off all the boxes. So to make things clear, and I'm going to go back to my context thing, binge eating is not you just eating until you're stuffed, right? Like most people are like, oh, I went to a family dinner and I uh, binged, and I'm like, really? And when they tell me, I'm like, that's not binge eating. Binge eating is, hey, it's my cheat day. I haven't eaten these seven foods. I'm going to eat these seven foods as much as possible because tomorrow I'm not going to be able to finish them off or I won't be able to eat them. Binge eating is grabbing those seven things, eating them, and then realizing that you still have one-fourth of a cheesecake left that you haven't finished and you force yourself to eat it. And then you realize that you still have half a bag of chips that you haven't finished because you finished the first one and you're on to the second one. Then you force yourself to eat that until you're so sick that you can't literally move and you want to throw up. And you do that on purpose. You don't do that by accident. You do that on purpose. These are the types of things that I have done in my life which classify my behavior as a disorder. Now, where does this stem from? In my experience, when people have been listening to my show forever, they know that I used to be overweight. One year in high school, I decided to change my life completely and I lost 60 pounds in two months. I went on such a strict diet of just vegetables, fruit, lean protein, almost zero carbs, no alcohol, no nothing, just no cheating whatsoever. And then as my journey into fitness started uh, progressing, that's where I started learning about cheat days or refeed days. And that's where I would force so much shit in my body because I knew I wouldn't have another chance to do it. And I would get to those points where I would eat until I was sick and force more. And say like an hour after feeling a little less full, I would eat more knowing I won't be able to do it the next day for the next six days because that's not when my cheat day is. This pattern makes me... Like it's ingrained in me to now associate food with something that I need to have in large quantities. So now I'm a little bit better, but you know, previous years, if I'm at a restaurant and I'm my well, dessert comes and I'm like, you know what? Rather than getting dessert here, let's go to fucking DQ and buy a whole fucking cake and see how far we can get through that thing. Or if I'm at a birthday party and there's cake, I'm not going to have just one slice. I'm going to have like four or five, right? These things are ingrained in me. Right now, I'm trying my best to avoid them, but I literally will have no self-control when stuff like this happens, and I just, I just keep going. Reading one of Georgie Fear's books, I think it's called Give Yourself More, that she just sent me. So shout out to Georgie Fear, which I'm going to have on the podcast pretty soon to chat about her book. There's a quote that I posted today that 
again, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's along the lines of um, the reason why you binge is to replace something you're not getting in your life. And when I read that, I was like, holy fuck, this is the first time um, a quote or something that I read made so much sense about binge eating. And I started, like, reflecting. I'm like, what am I missing in my life that I'm trying to fill the void um, with food? And you got to do, like, some real soul searching. Like, what are you missing in your life that you have this need to fill that emotional gap with food? And this can stem from so many different things. Like, think back to your childhood. How is your relationship with your parents? or mother or just father or maybe you grew up without your parents and you grew up through foster homes like what is it start really thinking about what's missing in your life is it the acceptance of your parents is it the acceptance of others is it the acceptance of the opposite sex like what is it that makes you feel like you need to fill that void and this like I was just having a conversation with someone uh, the other day about this that you know nutrition coaching is great but as coaches it goes beyond our scope of practice because really food is attached to so many emotional things right client comes in I want to lose 15 pounds great why they give me another surface bullshit answer then I ask why and I keep pulling on that thread until it starts showing me the real reason. And it's usually about some self-validating thing, something to make them feel better, to prove to someone that they're worthy. And it usually comes down to self-worth. A lot of people don't feel that they're worthy to take up space in this world. And I want everyone listening that's ever struggled with emotional eating, binge eating, that you are worth more than you think. Your life has the exact same value as the person that you admire or aspire to be. Just because you think they have their life and shit figured out does not mean you're any less than them. Just because you're a girl or a boy that you are infatuated with and you think that you're not good enough to get their attention or good enough to be in a relationship with them does not mean that you are not, not you're not a value of anything people don't believe that they're worthy of love they don't think they're worthy of being praised they don't think they're worthy enough to be appreciated look how deep I just went into like nutrition this is where it stems from and people miss the boat when they're like yeah I'm gonna get healthy I'm gonna start exercising I'm gonna go on this diet I'm gonna do this thing and they fail because they haven't worked in what's going on in their brains and what's going on in their heart like that's where true change comes from this is why people fall into 
binge-like behaviors. They have to fill the void of, of what they're not getting in life. Binge eating takes time to recover from. It's not like one day you're like, oh, I gotta deal with this, so I'm gonna stop binging. You're gonna have ups and downs constantly. You're going to have really good days, really shitty days. But it takes time. You gotta work on yourself. Like, how many episodes have I done talking about this idea of working on yourself? Working on what's going on deep down, like self awareness, like building a better human. Like, think about all the qualities of someone that you really look up to or someone who is so giving, so like selfless and has their life put together that you think they do. Like look at the qualities of these people and you'll quickly realize that they're just good human beings. And if anything, if you want to succeed in anything in life, it comes down to becoming a better human being. That's all it takes. Become a better human being. How the hell did I get to that from, oh, binge eating? <laughs> Bigger picture, guys. That's where true success lies. I'm going to end it there. Hopefully I kind of open the eyes of some of you. Scratch the surface of this whole binge eating dilemma that I've been facing my 12 years, this past 12 years. Um, food for thought, guys. Just think about it. Um, thank you for listening. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Give me a five-star review on any platform that you're listening this podcast on. Hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook, Instagram, so you can see all the videos and photos I post. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. That's it for me. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. This is another edition of my car vlog sunny day freaking love it can't deny how much of a difference sun makes it better especially out this part in canada in vancouver where it rains all the fucking time fuck anyway this is gonna be a great episode because i feel a rant coming on i feel like i have to release upon the world. Um, kind of following up from my last episode about supplements and if they're really necessary or not. I get questions poured in from Instagram and emailed to me all the freaking time when it comes to nutrition, supplements, and just overall health. And I've received one too many <laughs> messages about detoxes and cleanses. <sighs> it needs to stop, people. It needs to stop. 
so if you look at this simple situation excuse me a simple thought literally like nutrition and losing weight is very simple if someone on Instagram in their 20s is selling you a liver cleanse tea and has convinced you that your liver is not functioning the way it should and this tea is gonna fix all those things your number one solution shouldn't be drinking a tea to fix your liver you should be going to a medical professional to look at that shit <laughs> if at all at any time you think any of your organs don't function the way, the way they should, you should probably seek medical advice and not some Instagram influencer that posts bikini pics of her and she's 23 years old with 10,000 followers. That person might not know the ins and outs of how your organs function or even know what side the liver's on on their own body. Now, I get it. I get it. A lot of these Instagram influencers, that this is their livelihood. They have to sell the shit in order to make money. But really, they're just making the health industry on the whole so much worse. So, at any time, in any place. If you think any of your organs are not working the way they should, go seek a medical professional. Hell, like, go talk to someone who has a doctorate in some sort of science around nutrition. They would be able to give you a better idea of what you should be doing nutritionally and what supplements you should be taking to help you go in the right direction. So now that we've got this idiotic idea of how people on Instagram are going to fix your organ issues, this just goes into my next whole thing. This whole idea of cleanses and detoxes have no place in at any time. Like, I really want to know who came up with this idea. Like, I have a feeling that one medical professional probably created, like, a clean eating diet of some sort and said that, you know, it would be a good idea to market this as a cleanse. And all it was is just clean eating. And then someone else decided to use that terminology to sell bullshit supplements. <laughs> you know, like, it blows my mind how these people are still around selling detox teas like this just tells me that the general population is so uninformed about shit when it comes to their own bodies like I have this conversation with my wife all the time so she's in naturopathic medicine medicine school right now and the amount of detail she's learning about the human body and for those who are listening from outside of Canada where naturopathic doctors are very popular. A naturopath learns exactly what a medical doctor does plus more. So the plus more 
are modalities that most medical doctors don't use. They also learn how to do chiropractic adjustments and they also learn how to do acupuncture, both traditional Chinese medicine and IMS or dry needling or whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're from. So they learn a shit ton, like a shit ton about the human body and what happens to individuals when they don't eat right, don't sleep right, and don't exercise. And it's surprising to both of us, like, we are in charge of these sophisticated things called our bodies, and we have no idea how it works. Like, guaranteed, most of the people listening probably know more about how their car works than their own body. So going back to this whole cleanse and diet thing, like, your liver detoxes shit on the daily. Now, imagine if you're adding a supplement or whatever you're taking that you bought from Instagram from an influencer to help you detox more shit, if it actually even works. Now your body goes, oh, something is already in here doing the detox for me. I'm going to produce less of a hormonal response and sequence that I'm supposed to do to detox whatever is coming into the system. Then you go off your detox because, you know, you've done your 14-day protocol or you finished your teas, and now your liver is not functioning the way it should. Now you probably have a bigger problem than you did before. Like, all of this is pretty common sense, but a lot of times people are so bought into the marketing and the little science that these influencers know because that's what they were taught in the sales pitch. So if you truly, truly wanted a detox, a cleanse to make your body feel right, try not eating any shit for two weeks straight and drink a shit ton of water and sleep like 10 hours every single day and then exercise for 14 days straight. Like, that's a true cleanse and detox for your body to get rid of the toxins. Like, people would rather, like, what was that thing called, where you'd have, like, cayenne pepper and water and lemon juice or some shit like that for, like, seven days straight to take out all the shit out of your body. Like, people will go to that extreme length but this whole idea to like exercise daily is like holy fuck like that's that's way too easy for me i need to do something even more drastic like imagine for the uh, for an individual that has been eating like shit for the last two decades hasn't gone to the gym since high school and you put this individual on a strict diet of vegetables, lean protein, healthy fats, exercising every single day, and drinking a shit ton of water, and sleeping eight to 10 hours a day for 14 days straight, like a miracle would happen on quality of life there. Like, I don't get it why people jump to some sort of like magic tea supplement plan that's going to fix 
decades of terrible habits. <laughs> like, I remember being at a conference, a business conference one time, and I started chatting with the guy beside me, and, you know, he was overweight, and he was asking me what I did for a li living. He was an accountant. I always meet accountants. This is so weird. And that's why, that's probably why I use that, at, like, example time when I'm talking about like a fake client that I'm working with um, so he like you know got to know what I did and then he's like oh so what do you think about this like diet pill thing I can't even remember what it was called and I'm like well it doesn't work he's like no 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 like this is like meant for like people over 40 and I'm like okay where, where did you like read about it he's like well I was watching Dr. Oz I'm like okay first of all that's your number one mistake. Just anything that Dr. Oz says, you should just like disregard that for any kind of medical advice at all. So I told him like, okay, you know, I personally haven't seen that episode, that supplement, whatever. I'm like, if it truly did work, then everyone would be super lean. Everyone would not be obese the obesity epidemic wouldn't be rising because it's been getting worse. We've been getting more certified fitness professionals and health coaches and life coaches out in the world. And we still have a crisis of people gaining weight over and over and over again. If all these magic pills, like imagine if you just accumulated all the knowledge, like say you binge watched every single episode of Dr. Oz since day one it aired and took all the supplements and all the advice that he did and you still didn't lose weight, that tells you something, right? There's people that are dedicated watching that show daily and somehow they haven't figured out the magic secret either, right? It's literally patience and consistency over a long period of time. Cleanses and detoxes are not going to fix years or decades of shitty eating and no exercise. Like, even at a cellular level, for a fat cell to turn over, it takes fucking forever. <laughs> like, you can't fight science when it's, like, clearly black and white. Like, even if you look at studies where they go into liposuction your body goes into a huge ass stress response like holy shit what happened we lost a lot of fat and it reproduces the fat cells to make up for it like there's no shortcut man that was intense anyway i'm gonna end it there <laughs> if you have any questions feel free to reach out um Thank you for listening to me ramble. You guys are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's it for me. Hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. Share this podcast with your friends and family. And give me a five-star review on anywhere you listen to this podcast. You know, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, wherever you're listening it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, you guys. What's up, my podcast listeners? I am super pumped for another episode today. 
because I feel kind of ranty, tangenty type of mood today. So I think, you know, if I get myself going, this is going to be uh, a really great podcast episode. Um, so one, a couple shout outs. Um, I believe, I believe my new number one, if I'm pronouncing it right, is a city of Grimsby out in the UK. Shout out to everyone in the UK listening to my show. I'm always so super, super humbled to see people listening to my show in different countries. Like, outside of Canada and the US, like, it's crazy to me. And yes, I just want to thank all my UK listeners and my international listeners. Um, so today's topic, we're going to talk about um, the shoulder, because outside of the low back being painful for most people, the shoulder is kind of that second area that most people come in with issues, at least in my clinic, and I feel like it's such an easy fix to, you know, just do, and you can start training pain-free, and, you know, yes, I want to bring this up, like, 100% my show is about weight loss, but you got to understand, in order to have successful weight loss, fat loss, strength gain, whatever it is, you need to be able to show up to the gym without any aches and pains, especially if those aches and pains get to a point where you have to start taking time off from exercise, because everything you do fucking hurts, right? Like, people can't put two and two together they think like, okay, I want to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym every day, do high-intensity workouts. But all that volume built up over time is going to wreak havoc on your joints. Even if you are one of those outliers that moves well and everything like that, if you keep beating the shit out of your body, your body's naturally going to stop by telling you, here's pain, stop. So with shoulder pain in general. There's a lot of things that, you know, you can get diagnosed with from your physio when it comes to um, your shoulder. Um, for me, I look at the shoulder as one of those, mo- like, because it's such a mobile joint, it has the ability to get fucked up a lot. And If you look at our society right now, how human beings are, we sit way too much and we are hunched over for far too long and if we don't do anything about it, our body likes to keep us there, shorn muscles and now we are just dumped forward and we are just terrible. Um, That being said, I would say 99% of the time people have immobile shoulders which causes an instability at the shoulder and then when they go to the gym they start pressing overhead and doing dumb shit and their joint is not centrated and bad shit tends to happen afterward the first step to learning how to use your shoulder if you're dealing with an ache and pain number one if there's pain present go see a physical therapist or a chiropractor that specializes outside of the spine. Like, the amount of people that I will see in the clinic 
that have taken a year or two years of shoulder pain, back pain, hip pain, whatever, before they saw one of our practitioners is ridiculous. And at that point, it's like, holy shit, we have a lot of work to do. So the moment that you just like, you know, you've been working out consistently and out of nowhere, you're like, oh shit, my shoulder kind of hurts. Right there and then, fucking pick up your phone, call one of the clinics in your area and just go. That's step one. Don't like, oh, you know what, it's probably going to go away tomorrow. And that turns into, oh, it'll go away next week. And that's going to turn into, it'll go away next month. And boom, it's been a year and I haven't seen anyone. It hasn't gotten better. It's actually gone worse. And now I'm going to go see somebody. That's usually the worst situation to be in. Step two is figuring out the best, best, I can't even speak right now, the best um, shoulder pathway where your shoulder joint can be stable and do the exercise that is given to you. So an example of this is learning how to centrate your joint, meaning if you visualize your humerus, meaning your like arm bone, and the top of your humerus is the end, uh, like that literally inserts and creates that glenohumeral joint in your shoulder. If I told you to pick up a heavy ass dumbbell, like I'm like, okay, I want you to pick up with one arm the 100 pound dumbbell. You wouldn't be all loosey goosey. You would like, all right, I'm gonna like turn on my core, I'm gonna brace, I'm gonna squeeze that handle hard to make sure I don't fuck my shit up, right? You're centrating your body, meaning you're putting your joints in a position where you have the advantage to lift the weight off without hurting yourself. Now, when I coach people, for some reason, anytime people hold dumbbells that's not heavy enough that's going to like kill their body, they tend to have a really loose grip. When you have a loose grip, the rest of your posture kind of just falls forward and dumps into that I'm sitting on the couch kind of posture. When that happens, your shoulder is already getting like, I kind of imagine like there's a little like person inside your shoulder and it's just fucking like punching your shoulder every single time it's not in the right position. And over time it just tears the shit out of it. The moment you squeeze a object as tight as possible, it sends a signal with your nervous system that, hey, we have a heavy object Let's get into a better position so we don't fuck ourselves over. So that shoulder ends up being centrated. It kind of goes into a position where it can take on more stress than at rest. So that's the first thing. Learning how to utilize your grip to kind of cheat your nervous system in thinking like, hey, we have something really, really heavy. Let's get into a better position. The second equation to this is staying away from exercises that will further aggravate that shoulder. If your shoulder is in that typical posture that most people are in, and again, there are outliers, there's people that know how to cheat it, but for the most part, people have terrible posture. Um, The second pathway is to not do the exercises that trigger it. So things like overhead pressing, things like lateral raises, front raises, Sometimes even side planks. Sometimes people's shoulders are so jacked up that getting into a side plank is not the best idea to do. So 
that being said, mo- and I've said this multiple times on my podcast, most people should not be pressing overhead. Our bodies are so good at cheating movement that it will give you fake shoulder um, range of motion. So stay away from overhead pressing for at least like just four weeks. If I had to like put a time frame, like minimal time frame, just four weeks, guaranteed your shoulders are going to feel better. Another way of figuring out um, what the best angle your shoulders uh, work at is like the shoulder scour test. So just like the hip scour test that I do with a lot of patients to figure out um, hip quality and just overall this assessment of the hip, um, is if you imagine if you were sitting and you had a practitioner or even if yourself, like you can do a self-assessment. Again, it's not perfect, but it's something. So if I was in a seated position, and again, I want to be like in perfect posture, I want to have my shoulders centrated, pulled back, and like I'm like ready to do an exercise, that kind of position. I'm going to take, say, my left arm, and I'm going to keep it tight against my rib cage, and I'm going to start pushing my elbow back, and I'm going to, if I have a mirror in front of me, look at a point at what, you know, time and space when my shoulder starts spilling forward. The moment my shoulder starts spilling forward is where I want to stop. Like, that's going to be my range. For some people, if they have that hunched position and they start in a neutral position and they start pushing their elbow back, um, they might see that their shoulder pops forward right away. And then it's like, okay, well, you're going to yoga five days a week, four days a week, whatever it is, and you do a chaturanga push-up, which requires you to be having your elbows super tight against the body. You are dumping your shoulders into an anterior load and you're just smashing shit over and over and over again, that's going to hurt the shoulder. And then from there, like you go, like say, 10 degrees out a little bit, do the same motion, driving that elbow back. You'll maybe notice that your shoulders doesn't dump forward as much. Maybe you do another 10 degrees and you're at, you know, 20 degrees of shoulder abduction, and you notice you can go a lot further. Now, that's probably the best pressing angle for you because maybe... You know, you do another 10 degrees, you're at 30 degrees right now, and you notice that your shoulder dumps a lot faster than all the other positions, and now you've found a pretty adequate representation of what your shoulder joint can do at this moment of time in your life and career at the gym. And then I tell people, that's where I want you to do your bench press, your push-ups, any pushing variation at that angle and it tends to fix a lot of stuff because now if you're pressing at an angle where your joint is happy, you have now less wear and tear on that joint and voila, no more shoulder pain. The other um, connection to this too, if you have pain, sometimes going into shoulder abduction tends to trigger some painful patterns. So I tell people all the time, like when pain is present, your body remembers that pathway. What it's going to do is try to stop you from, you know, further aggravating it. So what's going to happen is it's going to stop you from getting into that position a lot sooner than usual. So that's why a lot of people end up with things like frozen shoulder because your nervous system will remember that 
painful pattern and it's like okay well anytime you put your shoulder into abduction past 30 degrees and then you start pressing with a dumbbell it hurts i'm going to stop you before that to protect you right like our bodies are pretty smart but sometimes it doesn't you know give us the benefit of that intelligent design that we have within ourselves so these small things like there are such small little changes but for some reason people don't take the time and effort to investigate this idea or this concept and they end up um, causing wear and tear on that shoulder joint and it never gets better it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and now say for example I took and I've done this with patients I'm like okay no more overhead pressing no more lateral raises no more um, fucking burpees where you're throwing yourself into um, into shoulder into like a poor position of the shoulder no more chaturangas super narrow and you know show them a new pressing angle within their um, limit and then I also show them um, exercises like shoulder cars and farmer carries to teach that shoulder to stabilize and give that centration effect and like anytime I say stability an easy way to remember what you're doing is you're giving a safety net around the shoulder every time I say stability think of safety it's a safety net around your joint that's what the shoulder joint needs it needs a safety net in order to lift press press overhead and all those things but most people don't have that so small little things like this add up over time and guaranteed when I had when I've had patients with shoulder pain and they follow my recommendations religiously after six months shoulders are pain free pain free so that was a good rant that was right I was gonna go all over the place with this thing and just get super like jacked up but if you want more information, check out my posts on Instagram and Facebook because I go into depth on these topics. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy. You know, I've had a lot of people like message me and like, oh, my shoulder's all weird. What should I do? And I'm like, send me a video of you doing whatever you do that hurts your shoulder and I can help figure out. So let me know. Um, hit the show notes, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram so you can check that stuff out. Um, give me a five-star review. You guys are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time. All right, so that's going to officially wrap up 2020 for my top five most listened solo episodes. I just want to take another opportunity to thank every single one of you for supporting me from day one. If you guys go back to my first like five episodes, they were the most awkward and terrible freaking episodes I've ever done in my entire life. And there's a part of me where I want to just delete them because I'm like, seriously. Um, but for all those people that stuck it out with me for almost four years coming up, or it has been four years, I can't remember. It's been a long time that I've done this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Once again, you guys are amazing. Thank you for all my new listeners and my new ish listeners that just found me, you know, maybe a month ago, two months ago, whatever it is. So thank you for the continued support. What you guys can do to help me is to simply share this podcast. You know, I don't have advertisers. I don't sell shit other than my ebook on here and my t-shirt. So 
share this podcast so we can continually bring top-notch fitness and health and mental health and training, just training stuff in general that's good quality stuff out into the world. And, you know, who knows, you sharing this podcast is going to help one person, and that's been always my mission that, you know, say that I've been doing this podcast for four years and I've only helped one person. Hey, that's one person that has changed their life. So share, 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 share this podcast with your friends and family. Give me a five-star review and thank you once again. Let's put 2020 behind us and let's fucking crush 2021 together. Here we go.